the, the simplest parties, no, no strategy can be achieved without the right talent in place. Mm. And that talent needs to be aligned with where your organization is going, engaged and rewarded correctly. Mm. So without great HR, you're never going to enable your businesses to succeed. And then it comes to creating uh, a culture that could be a competitive advantage. There's so many different areas around it. And it's just something we, we forget we do. We have these superpowers where we can actually change organizations completely. Um, and we just need to define better how we do that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. All right, you may call me naive, and you know that I have said this one thing for a number of years now. So what I'm going to say at this very moment is not something new that I'm just inventing now. I have this deep faith and belief in the power of HR. And I see HR, the way, the way I describe it is as a trailblazer that is marking the way, marking the trails on the forest towards the future of work so that people, organizations, leaders can follow that trail that HR is marking. In believing so, I also say that to be effective in the work of being a trailblazer, there's a number of skills and capabilities that we don't have yet, but we can cultivate, we can nurture, we can learn. We just have to believe in our power to become that trailblazer. So I love every opportunity that I get to chat with people who have this belief too, who truly feel and believe that HR can create so much business value that they can become the trailblazers leading everybody forward. And that's what's the, what we're gonna be talking about today. We're gonna be talking about how HR can truly move their business forward, can create such an incredible amount of value that it can be ignored at any table that is going on in the organization. And we're gonna have this conversation with somebody who has worked leading organizations, leading HR for a long time across many different sectors, many different industries in different regions around the world. And well, this person, Dominic, shares his passion uh, with me about HR becoming that truly that truly change maker, that, that true trailblazer, leading people and organizations into the future of work. So Dominic, Welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I am excited about the conversation because, you know, I interview so many people and I invite so many people to the events that we do. And everybody has this passion around HR, but not always do I feel from them that they have realized the true power that we have to create a business value, to truly lead the organization and the people forward. And I know you do believe in this. Why? You know, why would you put so much faith and, and power in the hands of HR? The, the simplest part is no, no strategy can be achieved without the right talent in place. Mm. And that talent needs to be aligned with where your organization is going, engaged and rewarded correctly. Mm. So without great HR, you're never going to enable your businesses to succeed. And then it comes to creating uh, a culture that could be a competitive advantage. There's so many different areas around it. And it's just something we, we forget we do. We have these superpowers where we can actually change organizations completely. Um, and we just need to define better how we do that. 
Well, I love that. Once again, you are a true believer in HR being this agent of, of real change and trailblazer. Uh, let me ask you something. If you, what you're defining is an organization that depends on the people, that is all about the people. But then we find not an obstacle, but sometimes it comes across that in thinking about the role of technology in all the work that is happening, some organizations may be saying, well, it's not just about people, it's about technology, maybe even down the road. And you've heard this, uh, Dominique, maybe we won't even need HR because it won't be that much about people. What do you say to those naysayers? <laughs> okay, so, so Enrique, if I have to be honest and say, if I never did any administration again, I'd be absolutely delighted. And I think yeah. there's, there's thousands of HR people would say, absolutely. And it's yeah. not what we should be known for. So yeah. um, I think it was, was it Gary Kasparov when he got beaten by Big Blue? <laughs> he said, I was the first AI worker to be made uh, redundant by automation. Okay, so that's fine. So if there's no paper moving around the organization, I'm absolutely fine with that. So computers can be good at chess, but they're not good at business. Yeah. And, you know, we need to be focusing on driving talent, culture, and capability. Um, and the naysayers out there, I'm with them if they're saying automate absolutely everything, but value added in things like branding, thinking like a, a marketeer, yeah. creating amazing performance architecture. So yeah. if, if my favorite definition of culture is how we do things around here. So that would be what we want our people to do and how we want them to do it. And that's great performance architecture. Communications, that's another example. I mean, um, I'm sure we've, we've all called these automated call centers um, and there's not a great art at the moment in, in, in computers and communication, yeah. but it's how we engage our people. It's how we create massive transformational purposes with our CEOs for our organizations. We know that people are engaged when they're bought into a story yeah. and, and, and what that story means to them, you know, that stems back into branding. And then the other one as well is, yeah, computers can produce lots and lots of data. Yeah. But what's it telling us? How do we take that data and, and create evidence-based practice or the stories that we need to take from that? Or what, what questions is it answering for us? So I, I, do, I do believe at some point we will be heavily automated, which I can't yeah. wait for. Yeah. But that gives us more time to do the real value add in the organizations. Absolutely. Dominic, you, you talked about four dimensions of uh, in which HR can add true business value, brand, performance architecture, communication, and data. And I want to ask you a very tangible and practical question. In these four dimensions, you get two HR people, one who is sitting on the driver's seat and one who is not. What is the difference between, what are the differences between these two HR people in these four dimensions? Sure. I think it will be simply aligning those things with the organization's strategy and where it wants to go. So I think sometimes what we tend to do is, is HR for HR's sake. So, I mean, as silly as it may sound, branding. Okay. So you might say, oh, I've got to, I've got to do these letters. But how about if those letters were done in a certain style, the words you used, how it engages people in when you want to write to them? That would be someone who's engaged in where the business is going and shaping something. Yeah. And I think the other person will be doing that classic uh, ticking a HR box. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's saying, right, okay, where's our organization going? Where does it add value for our customers? 
And then what do I need to do to be supporting that through branding, through performance architecture, through communication or data? I think I, I coined this phrase a few years ago um, and I've used it with my teams many times. Is, is there's something out there called Google HR? And what that is, is someone says, oh, I've got to redo these job families. So they Google job families and download another company's job families and then kind of engineer them into their organization. But they've ticked a box. Whereas the starting point is saying, okay, what's our strategy? How do we make people a competitive advantage? And what do I need to be doing to support that through our job families? That would be the difference between the two. Everything you're doing should have a purpose and be aligned where the organization wants to go. Absolutely. Now, this warrants another question, which is, if I want to focus on the things that truly deliver value, and my time is limited and continues to be limited as it's always been, that means that I'm going to have to either prioritize or reprioritize or refocus my energy and my effort into what truly delivers value, and maybe stop doing the things that may not deliver that much value. So how do you, how do you manage these two things? How do you manage the, the fine line between what you should be doing and what you are doing that should not be doing? Okay, if I reframe it in a completely different way. Absolutely. If you, think, if you think of our area as, as providing for, I know we use the word stakeholders, you can use the word customers or whatever, is what do they need the most? What, what, what do they need at that time in the organization? So I, I, a silly example might be, you might have an area that's struggling with talent and you're working on, on a new performance management system. That's my, both will add value, but one will have greater priority over the other. And if you've got a small team or limited budgets, then be working with your organization and saying to them, listen, I can do all these things which, which can support where we're going, but what would you like first? What would you like us to be doing to support you? I see that the prioritization comes from the organization that we serve. Which is, uh, by the way, one of, one of the, uh, uh, the biggest questions that comes up whenever we're talking about data analytics is always like, you know, where do we begin? How do we, how do we move this thing forward? And the answer is always, what, what are the problems that your organization has right now? You know, what are the main challenges? Begin there. I mean, don't, I mean, it's, if you, if you want to get creative, that's fantastic, of course, but begin by getting creative with things that add value to resolve, you know, challenges yeah, and, and problems. Yeah, perfect example might be, so let's say your, your company's launched a new product that, and, it, and it's not selling well. So you could go out there and investigate. So the hunch might be, there's not enough training or the hunch might be reward isn't done properly. So you can use your data to go and say, well, actually we need to be doing X amount of hours more training in this area because it's linked to sales. There, there's your use of data. Yeah. Telling someone two months after five people left the organization is not data. It's yeah. just telling a story of something else. Yeah. And then someone's going to say, yeah, we knew they left. That's great. <laughs> Thanks very much. So actually looking at what the organization's, doing and saying, listen, I have a hunch. And, and if we move, I mean, the, the value of data is incredible, but it's more what I would call evidence-based practice. It's about saying, I've got some data. And also what we do forget as well is the amount of academic work that's been done over the last hundred years around, yeah. around uh, the, the people profession, whether it was, you know, from, from the um, Hawthorne experiments to, to, yeah. the, to the modern days is we need to look at that. But then also as well, what we forget is, there are some amazing organizations that are doing some amazing things. So sticking all that evidence together, then going back to the business to say, 
the academics say this, best practice says this, our strategy needs this and data says this, yeah. then, then people are going to take us more seriously. Absolutely. Which, by the way, brings me to one example that is super tangible and I always like to use, which is recruitment in this era of remote work and migrations and, you know, people moving from city to city. What I tell recruiters is, you know, you, I'm sure you have a problem, like all organizations in the world have the problem right now of attracting and retaining the greatest talent out there. Now, if you look at the different dots out there you have to connect the dots of where people are migrating from and to yeah, yeah, yeah. number one what they want where they are being forced to go back to the office and they don't want to go back to the office so you start connecting all those dots and you create a story that can tell your business if we want to attract the best talent we're going to have to have a hybrid uh, culture we're going to have to allow people to do this or to do that different things that you can recommend based on the assessment of the dots that you are connecting. So that's why I'm I'm loving this evidence-based uh, practice that you are talking about. Let me ask you something. Before you said, when I asked you about differentiating between the HR person who's in the, in the driver's seat and the one who's not, you said something like right away, you said aligning with the business. Dominic, we have talked for so long, you know, for so, I, I have been in the world of HR for more than 10 years. And ever since I got into HR, we've been talking about aligning with the business. Why is it still an unrealized promise to align what we do with the business? What's, what's in the middle that doesn't fully allow us to make it happen? I think, I think there's different things and it comes down to the culture of the organization. So you, you might have a, a CEO who, who really understands the value that people can add. So they position the HR department in a certain kind of way. But then again, you might have gone to an organization that's trying to make changes. Um, and then the HR person has to, has to grow and drive credibility, which, which yeah. takes a bit of time and resilience. And it's not just, just going to be given to you. But I think the main thing is take an interest in what's going on outside of the HR office. I think that would be the key thing for me yeah. is, 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 you know, sit with your salespeople, sit with your managers. You know, if you've got field-based employees, spend the time with them and understand what they do. And then it's, it's, it's coming back from that and then going back to the organization. And this goes to the evidence-based practice. So you, you go out there, you talk to some people, you have a hunch, and then you can go back to the organization and say, listen, I have a feeling I can put together these bundles of say complementary practices, which could help drive your, your strategy forward yeah. based on, on X, Y, and Z. And then go and test it and do it and go back. Um, and if people can see you making that attempt, you're going to get buy-in. I think the, the, the classic HR thing, which I've seen all over the world, is this kind of the policy says, or we can't yeah. do that. Or, you know, I think that's the thing that, that holds us back. Yeah. But it's spending time with the organizations and saying, listen, if we do these things, it's going to give our people more knowledge. It's going to engage our people more. And you know what? If at the end of the day, the line manager wins as in they they hit their targets and, and and they get a pat on the back from their boss you're going to get buying yeah i want to i i want to bring back the way you framed the answer to this question which was you didn't say it's your job to go to do to align with the business you said take an interest in finding out what's going on outside of hr and i love that framing because it's it it feels to me more of a of an inner driven approach than just the approach of it's my job to do it this way yes yeah, your job to do it that way but take the interest in being curious 
about what's going on with your sales team or your IT and you know every every team in the organization so that you can truly serve them uh, better from an HR standpoint. So I, I love that you uh, frame it in that way. Take an interest, uh, Dominic. As we're getting closer to uh, the end of our conversation, I want to ask you uh, one last question. And I'm going to go back to the four dimensions that you spoke about before, brand, performance, architecture, communications, and data. If there were two or three skills at the individual level, capabilities at the departmental level that you think HR has to learn or to get better at in order to truly perform well in these four dimensions, what would those two, three skills and or capabilities be? I think the, the two key ones now is, is in branding. We've got to think like marketeers. Mm. I mean, brand now is more important than it ever has been. I saw a meme on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, which I loved, where some guy wrote on there. He said, I'm going to join Google and leave two weeks later just so I can write X Google <laughs> on my LinkedIn profile. I saw I that. that. <laughs> but that's so powerful. That's, yeah. So we've got to be saying to ourselves, okay, so whatever you want to call it, the great resignation, Whatever's driving that, the data will come out, we'll work it all out. But whatever it is, a great brand will help you attract the new talent if you're going to lose them. But a great brand will also retain talent. We also know psychologically, a great brand will engage people. So yeah. this is a superpower. People now want to be seen as, I work for so-and-so and I'm associated with this. I mean, whether you call it the big four or whatever you want to call it, people have a great amount of pride. And so I think like a marketeer. And I'm not saying like have a cool career site, yeah. but learn about, you know, who your potential customers are, what they want, learn about demographics, you know, learn about shaping a story. So that would be key. And then the other one as well is, and, and I'm, not, I'm not so sure how we approach this is, a lot of people uh, end up being successful in HR because they're okay with ambiguity. Yeah. You know, we, we don't mind gray. We, we, he, he yeah. doesn't, you know, we're okay with kind of in the middle and we have hunches and feelings. I mean, that's brilliant, but we need to back that up now with, with gathering facts. We can't keep saying, I think and I feel. Um, and it, and it's, it's brilliant to keep thinking and feeling, but then what are the steps afterwards to gather the evidence to turn around and say, the feeling I had was we weren't attracting talent for X reason or this bonus scheme wasn't working. The evidence stacks up to say that. That's the bit we need to be doing is, is, is supporting things. I mean, there's some amazing studies been done over the years by especially, you know, places in Harvard and Wharton and MIT is why aren't we looking at them to say, and going back to our organization saying, I think we should do this. The data is saying this and studies support it in that kind of way, rather than just simply saying, I think and I feel. And I think that's going to be tough for all of us because we ended up going into this because we, we enjoy being around people and, and having those hunches and, and hopefully having some, you know, higher levels of emotional intelligence. That's great. We just need to, that superpower is great, but we just need to bolt something on as well to, to support those feelings. So it would be now, I think, thinking and acting a bit more like a data scientist and yeah. thinking and acting a bit more like a marketeer. I, I love those two. Uh, Dominic, thank you so much for sharing that. Quite a... Quite a great learning journey we have we have ahead of us uh, in HR. So, uh, thank thank you so much for spending this time with me and sharing your insights with me, of course, and with the rest of the community. Thank you. Thank you, Enrique. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. 
Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.